0: Uh, thank you guys for having me here. I feel like um, I know many of you or have recognized your faces, uh, especially those of you who have been on the men's retreat or dropped kids off at Fuse. Um, so I, I just, I am grateful to be here this morning and uh, grateful that DJ, wherever he went, uh, he, he left to ignore me. Um, <clears throat> he didn't want me to, yeah. But just glad to be here. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but I've been struggling uh, to find uh, Advent calendars, and uh, I think it's because their days are numbered. <laughs> uh, no? Okay. So I like doing dad jokes because I, uh, I am a dad. I have uh, seven kiddos. Uh, so they love my dad jokes, by the way. Um, they're always telling me how amazing I am at dad jokes. Uh, how good looking I am! How smart I am! My kids are just awesome. So, um, a couple of them are here. I want to brag on them, but no. Uh, I, I am really glad to be here. I'm glad I get to to share with you this morning God's word. One thing that I always uh, encourage people to do is when when we are uh, together, uh, when we are here on a Sunday morning, or when we're together and we're hearing something from God's word. Many times uh, we can get into this uh, this posture. We're like, you know what? I wish so-and-so were here. That'd be really good, you know? I wish my mother-in-law were here. Oh, this sermon would be for, for them, right? I wish so so I, I want to encourage you to be present with what God has for you this morning, right? If we're here to minister to the Lord and also to receive from him, we actually then have to say, oh, I want to open up to you, Lord, for whatever you have for me this morning, all right? So let's keep our minds engaged, our hearts engaged, our souls and our spirits. So I want us to, to do this. I'm just going to make a declaration. So um, for me, well, I have little kids, and like, when they want to be held, what do they do? They hold their hands up, right? Um, when they do something wrong or blame somebody else, they're like, eh, you know, they do, they do this. right? So this morning, I just want us to actually take a submissive posture to the Lord. Okay. So I want us to put our hands out like this. And the submissive posture, and I'm just going to declare stuff. Father, in these next few moments, we will engage our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our spirits. Holy Spirit, we invite you to do the work in whatever way you want to do it. So we submit ourselves to you. Amen. All right, so this morning I have the task of showing how... Um, a child is wiser than Solomon, okay? So uh, how many of you know the story of Solomon? Most of us in here have probably heard he's the, you know, the wisest man to, to ever live. But I'm going to briefly just go through uh, the entire book of Kings in, in about four hours. So stay with me, all right? So we see uh, Solomon and David in, in chapters 1 and 2 of First Kings. What's happening is there's a the passing of the torch, there's some weird stuff that happens there too, right? They're like getting rid of enemies and murder and, you know, it's, it's a little bit messy at the beginning of Solomon's reign. And then we see in chapter uh, three, he makes his amazing, you know, he and God are having this conversation and he makes this declaration where God's like, hey, what do you want? I'll give it to you. And then he says this um, in 1 Kings 3, 9, give me the understanding heart. So, that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern your great people? So, Solomon begins by asking God for this thing called wisdom. That word wisdom actually means like a skill or applied knowledge. So, it's getting knowledge and then actually doing something with it. So, it's knowing something and then walking it out, it's not just retaining more and more information. So Solomon has this great interaction with the Lord. The Lord's like, man, you chose well. Not only am I going to give you uh, this, not only am I going to give you wisdom, I'm going to give you other things. So he starts uh, his, his journey uh, as king in a really positive direction. Then uh, we see in chapters like 5 through 8, we see that the temple is being built. We see that there are certain things going into the temple that God has laid out. Then there's this amazing, beautiful part where the temple is um, the, the temple's finished, they have a worship service, and then the presence of God just falls on this place. It's one of the greatest moments in Israel's history. The temple is there, the presence of God drops, and The king of kings actually has a place to dwell, a permanent spot. It's beautiful. And then in chapter 9, Solomon again is talking with God. And uh, God actually warns him and reminds him of Deuteronomy 17. So I'm going to ask my wife, she's going to do all the reading, because uh, if you don't know, I'm dyslexic, and my reading out loud is garbage, okay? (laughs) So let's see what Deuteronomy... 17 says,
1: You are about to enter the land the Lord your God is giving you. When you take it over and settle there, you may think, we should select a king to rule over us like the other nations around us. If this happens, be sure to select as king the man the Lord your God chooses. You must appoint a fellow Israelite. He may not be a foreigner. The king must not build up a large stable of horses for himself. Or send his people to Egypt to buy horses, for the Lord has told you, you must never return to Egypt. The king must not take many wives for himself, because they will turn his heart away from the Lord. And he must not accumulate large amounts of wealth and silver and gold for himself. When he sits on the throne as king, he must copy for himself this body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. He must always keep that copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. That way he will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees.
0: Thank you. So we see God is actually reminding Solomon of the law. So the temple's been built, the presence of God is there, he's in a conversation with God, God's reminding him of Deuteronomy 17, and we look as Solomon continues to reign, what does he do? Everything in Deuteronomy 17, he disobeys. And then we see the downfall and the destruction of Israel. We see this uh, bifurcation of, of the, the nation. And I, I don't want to blame it all on Solomon. We can talk about it later. Uh, generational sin, major generational sin in his line was passed down, and he did not break. But that's for a different sermon at a different time. But we see that the devastation of what happened. No longer was Solomon living in wisdom, right? He might have had the knowledge at this point, but he was not actively pursuing or or understanding or obeying what God had called him to do. There was destruction everywhere. Relationships were broken. Inheritances were gone. There was a lack of the presence of God. We see uh, wars. We see barren land. And ultimately what happens is the destruction of the temple. The presence of God leaves. They become enslaved to other people. And why? I believe, oops, I forgot, verse 20. Because wisdom is actually found in obedience. See, if that Hebrew word, which I cannot pronounce, actually means a skill, it means that you actually have to know something and then do it. It's not something that we, we just gain more and more knowledge and then actually don't act on that knowledge. It's applied knowledge. It means that we actually have to, to do what we're called to do. And you see, Solomon had that, right? At the, at the beginning, he's writing you know, thousands of proverbs and hundreds and hundreds of songs. We see the wisdom when, he, when the two prostitutes come to him, right? We see this, this applied wisdom where he's actually understanding what he's supposed to do and then acts on it. And then we see disobedience continue to creep in. Take a foreign wife here. right? Go obtain wealth from other nations. We see that he slowly, methodically disobeyed. Now, to contrast that, we have Jesus. We have Jesus. So Jesus comes to earth. We see in Luke 2, we're actually gonna talk about Luke 2 where he's visiting the temple, right? So in Luke 2, um, he's in the temple and he's like a young teenage boy. He's hanging out there and it says this, all who heard him were amazed and, at his understanding and his answers. So they were amazed at actually what was coming out of the mouth of Jesus. Um, when his mother is uh, looking for him, and having the conversation like, where were you? Where were you, Jesus? This is what Jesus says. But why do you need to, uh, to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Now, it's also translated in there. Didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? That I must be about my father's business. It's beautiful. Because we see that Jesus... Jesus goes back into the temple where no longer the presence of God was dwelling. He's in there, and he's actually having conversations with people that have studied the Torah. And probably by this age, Jesus had memorized a majority of the Torah. Right? That's what they they tried to do. But we understood that wisdom, Jesus understood that wisdom is being about his father's business. It was taking the the knowledge that he had and actually applying it to the life that he lived. In verse 32, or sorry, 52 of Luke 2, I don't know if I have this up there, I cannot remember, and I don't. It says this, that Jesus grew in wisdom and in favor with God and with man. So Jesus, even though he was the God-man here on earth, this is, you know, we celebrate Advent because it's remembering the first coming of Christ and looking towards the second coming, right? This is why we celebrate it. And we see, my word, like he grew in wisdom and in favor. So the Savior of the world can grow in wisdom and in favor. What does that mean for us? should we not be striving to grow in wisdom and in favor? If the Lord Jesus himself could do that, isn't that something that we should be striving for? So, uh, this, this last week I was able to pray with uh, one of our, our regional intercessors, and um, she was telling me how, Every morning, this is what she does now, is she gets up and says, what would you have for me to do today, Lord? What does your day look like? You see, she has the understanding, much like Jesus did, where it was about actually spending time with his father and being about his business and not our own business. Being about what God has for us that day, not what does Brandon have for that day. You see, when Jesus was walking this earth, what did he continually do? He went away to be with his father. He had an intimate relationship with his father, and he did everything that the father asked him to do. Everything. That's wisdom. Wisdom is being about our father's business. So let's look at Matthew uh, chapter 12, please. Shall we read that?
1: One day, some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. But Jesus replied, Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights." The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. The queen of Sheba will also stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen.
0: So we learn and look at this passage that someone greater than Solomon is here. And who is it? Yeah, the greatest Sunday school answer. Awesome. You guys win a prize. (laughs) Wisdom is actually a person and it's Jesus. You see, what Solomon couldn't accomplish, what he couldn't do, all the mess that he made with Israel, Jesus redeemed it. You see, Jesus is actually wisdom. Why is he wisdom? He is wisdom because he does whatever the Father tells him to do. That's wisdom. You see, when we have this applied knowledge, what wisdom is, if we have that applied knowledge, so it means that we hear and then we do. And Jesus is wisdom. You see, we live in a society where wisdom or truth is like, you know, hashtag my truth, you know, whatever I think is right or whatever I think is true, that's the society that we live in. Truth is actually what I believe. Truth is nothing outside of me. It's actually in an individual, right? This is the society we live in. So what I want us to think about then is we actually have to make a choice to either submit To what God would have us do, submit to wisdom, or submit to what we think is right. I don't know about you, but uh, I have people that, uh, in my life, that you, like, really um, don't enjoy getting in an argument with because they're never wrong. Anybody have people like that? Right? Like, we all do, right? And you're like, oh, good grief. You're like a me monster over there. Oh, me, me, me. I'm... I'm so wonderful, right? We, we have those people in our life, but I want us to actually examine ourselves. Like, Holy Spirit, what, what part of my life do I think that I'm always right? Or do, do I have to stand on, on this certain issue? Am I actually right in this? I can't take advice from other people. And see, what that does is that brings in um, one, it's not a, a humble attitude. But two, when we don't understand that wisdom is actually Jesus, we miss the boat and we choose to do things that we want to do rather than what God would have us do. We become selfish, not selfless. Unless we are willing to submit to Jesus and rely on the Holy Spirit's power to actually empower us, we will ultimately cause destruction and chaos like Solomon. In our home, we have a saying, um, especially when we're going somewhere, is that the Vining's bring peace, not chaos. We actually try to proclaim that because, you know, when nine people roll up somewhere, you know, sometimes, you know, it can be a little louder. Um, so let me ask you this question. Because what I've uh, been learning is the more chaos and destruction that is around a person um, is actually a clear indication that they don't live in peace and therefore don't live in wisdom. Is there more chaos and destruction around you, or is there more peace? Is there more chaos or is there more peace? Because when you look at the life of Jesus, you look at the way that he lived, yeah, there, there, were, there was tension, right? There's tension. But he walked a life and he brought peace and healing wherever he went. I want to read this. Uh, well, Shannon, will you read this quote for us?
1: Jesus, the wandering rabbi from Nazareth, who laughed, cried, and washed his friend's feet, is the fullest expression of God's truth we have. All other truths, doctrines, statements, facts, are human attempts to encapsulate bits of the mystery of truth contained in the person of Christ. We come to God not through knowing the right things, though this surely helps, but through knowing Jesus.
0: When we fail to see that the truest part of wisdom, as a person, we end up worshiping false gods, i.e. we hide behind our preferences, we hide behind our doctrines, we hide behind different relationships, different thoughts or way of life, when we actually don't say that wisdom is actually, in its truest form, the redemptive work of what Jesus did, we fail and what we do is we say, "Ah, you know what? I don't like that. This is my preference. And we'll hide behind it. Or we'll build a wall. We'll say, you can't actually get close to me or we actually can't have a conversation because we disagree on end times. Right? We hide behind something. Instead of actually allowing the redemptive work of Christ to work within us to overflow out of us because what is Wisdom. It's applied knowledge. It's knowing the redemptive power and the work of Christ and then walking out what he's called us to walk out. And what I walk out is gonna look different than what Dave Smith walks out or what Danny walks out or Christine. And here's the beautiful part about Jesus and the picture of what Jesus did is when he talks to us in John 17 about eternal life is this, that you would know Me and the Father. Wisdom is actually at its deepest part is actually Jesus. Because Jesus is the pathway back to the Father. And the reason, one of the reasons Jesus came, obviously, is the death, burial, and resurrection to give us power. But he also came so that we could be reconciled back to the Father so that we could actually understand and have wisdom that comes from the throne room of God because God is there. And what Solomon ended up doing is he started to make small compromises along the way until everything is destructed. Everything gets destroyed, not destructed. That was was terrible English. I'll blame my teachers who didn't learn me good, all right? Um, Right? So we we see what happened with, with Solomon. And and Jesus comes to redeem that, and he says, I've redeemed you back to the Father so that you can actually enter into the throne room of God and get uh, instructions from him. Paul talks about this, how we actually have the opportunity to have the mind of Christ. Well, if we have the mind of Christ, it means that we actually have the wisdom of Christ, which means that we actually get to walk out what he's a- actually telling us to walk out. But for some of us, we can't get over ourselves. For some of us, we can't get over of a a preference or a doctrinal issue. We actually can't get over that. And when we can't humble ourselves and say, you know what? I might not know everything. We actually can't embody the person of Christ. Like, I don't know exactly what went on when Jesus was walking this earth. But I do know one thing. That he did everything In the power of the Spirit, and he did everything that his Father asked him to do. So if that is the example of Jesus walking in wisdom, I believe that that's the posture that we should take. So let me end with this, Jim.
1: Then he said, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven.
0: So this is at the end of Jesus. Jesus' life here on earth before he ascends back um, to the Father. And his instruction is, one, wait for the Holy Spirit. But what he's saying is, Everything that has been done, I have fulfilled. Everything that has been written, everything that was said, every prophetic act that had to happen was absolutely done, including, including the destruction and rebuild of the temple, which Solomon built. Solomon had no idea when he was building you know, the temple that it would uh, eventually be a metaphor for what Christ did. But everything at the end, and Jesus is like, hey guys, go and do likewise. So yes, Jesus, Jesus has greater wisdom than Solomon. But here's the fascinating part. We actually have access to the wisdom that Christ had. So that actually means that we have the potential to be wiser than the wisest man to ever walk this earth. So what does he ask us to do? We need to be wisdom to those around us. We actually need to walk the embodiment of Christ to the people around us, to our family members, to those people that are always right and super annoying, um, to our kids, our grandkids, to our neighbors, to that coworker that keeps stealing my uh, lunch out of the fridge, right? We need to be wisdom. We need to be Christ to people. When I look back and we look back at Advent and we, we celebrate the hope of Jesus coming, we celebrate the fact that Jesus redeemed and reconciled all that was broken, everything that was broken. And we look forward to him coming again as king of kings and lord of lords. So I would like us for one minute to think about this. All right, I'm going to, all right. Well, how much time do I have? I don't even know. I'm okay? I'm okay for one more minute? Okay. Uh, okay, so let's, let's just be quiet for a moment. Uh, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to us this morning? What do you want to speak directly to us as a faith family, but also as individuals? So there is a, uh, there is a, a group of uh, Christianity, uh, but anyway, there's this really dangerous belief out there called like hyper grace, where Jesus is our like buddy. Um, he's called friend, and we are to serve him. He's called our brother, but he's never called like our buddy. And um, I think that's dangerous and it's really cool like what God's been doing. Like When I look at, at history and um, the way that we're connecting in deeper relationship with, with God and with Jesus, we're giving him honor, but we're also understanding that he's called us to be his friends. But the one dangerous thing is we can take it too far and go down like this hyper-grace thing where um, sin doesn't matter, he always kind of forgives me. I don't really have to live uh, a certain way. Right, it's the it's this thing over there, and I'm not like blaming people, but I think one of the things is is we actually don't fear God. So I want us to understand that yeah, Jesus was a uh, he came as an innocent baby, the first time he's not coming like that the second time. He's coming with fire in his eyes. And for me to to stand up here and have the audacity to say hey be wisdom. Yeah, that, that sounds nice, but almost like, as I was saying it, I'm like, man, I need to actually fear and have reverence for God enough to say, if I'm not wisdom, there's things in my life that are going to, you know, I'm going to be on judgment day standing there. There's things that he's going to be like, not okay, not okay. So I, I just want us to take um, a minute And uh, before we head to this amazing table that brings us the covenant, before we head to a place where we actually get to participate uh, in the broken body and bloodshed of Jesus Christ, we also have to understand the fact that we have to fear him. So we need to examine what is going on inside here. We need to examine the relationships in this room. And outside this room. The reason people were getting sick, sick in Corinth, yeah, they were sinning, but guess what? They were also walking in unforgiveness. They weren't allowing, you know, they, they were just like, eh, whatever. They walked in unforgiveness. And I believe that unforgiveness is one of the biggest reasons that we have denominational splits and Christ's body is all over the place is because we actually weren't willing to walk in forgiveness and say, you know what, I don't agree with that, but I'm called to this table in this oneness that we can, I can forgive you and be okay with you. So, um, yeah, so Lord, we, we just ask in this moment right now that um, you would move. The Holy Spirit, you're the comforter, but you also convict of sin. And I ask that you would point out sin in our life. I ask that you would point people out that we need to forgive. And God, we can't do this without you, Jesus. Like, Jesus, we need actually for you to be wisdom in this moment, for Holy Spirit, you to work. And and there just to be this movement of God in this moment that, that we actually have the wisdom to say, I was wrong and then go and ask for forgiveness. And those of us who have been offended against, that we have the wisdom, and then actually say, I forgive you to those people who have offended us. Cleanse us, Lord. Forgive us of our sin. Draw us into deeper intimacy with you. We bless you. We bless you. DJ.